Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And you go back to what they want to hear what put you on the map, you know, and that's what people want to hear. In fact, I feel the same way when I go to see a band. I want to hear what put them there. That's Lee Lochnane from the band Chicago talking about playing the songs people want to hear when they come see Chicago live. In this episode, Lee is joined by director Peter Pardini, who's behind two Chicago documentaries, including a new one out September 30th, in this episode of Behind the Set List. Welcome to Behind the Set List, the podcast where artists tell the stories about the songs they perform live. I'm Jay Gilbert from Label Logic. And I'm Glenn Peoples from Billboard. Jay, it's not often a band reaches a 50-year anniversary, but Chicago is one of those rare bands to reach that half-century mark and keep going. Odds are anyone is familiar with a Chicago song, maybe from the band's early days of horn-filled, soulful pop music, songs like Questions 67 and 68, and Does Anybody Really Know What Time It Is?, both from their debut album in 1969. Or people might know them from their renaissance in the 80s when they had a string of power ballads like Hard to Say I'm Sorry, Hard Habit to Break, and You're the Inspiration. Yeah, for this episode, we talked to Lee Lochnane of Chicago and Peter Pardini, the director of two documentary films about the band, uh, Now More Than Ever from 2017, and Last Band on Stage, which comes out September 30th. The Last Band on Stage follows the band as it, you know, its steady touring schedule is shut down by COVID-19. And Lee talked about what it's like returning to the stage at a concert in Nebraska in 2021 after the shutdown. He also talked about the making of the band's latest album, Born for This Moment, uh, which was released July 15th this year. Classic Chicago sound. Yeah, it's a very Chicago album. It's like the whole career in a nutshell. It's all there. You know, the night before the interview, I was lucky enough to attend a Q&A at the Grammy Museum in downtown L.A. with a couple hundred rabid Chicago fans. Uh, it featured Lee and two original members, James Pankow and Robert Lamb. The moderator was none other than actor Joe Montaigne, who narrated the new documentary, Joe has known the guys in Chicago since before their album came out in the 60s, uh, in 69 rather, and Joe was in a band back then. And he was introduced at that Q&A by producer Jimmy Jam, who most people know as one half of the production duo Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, think Janet Jackson. And he talked about how he studied every note in the Chicago Five album when he was growing up in Minneapolis. And he said Prince, a classmate of his, 
was a big Chicago fan too. We talked a little bit about that Q&A with Lee. Yeah, and I was really happy to talk to Lee about the song Wishing You Were Here, which is Chicago uh, helped out by a few of the Beach Boys, and they recently did some touring together, and he talks about that song and what it was like uh, touring with the Beach Boys. You know, all in all, a great conversation. I was really happy that Peter was able to join him, talk about filming the band, talk about the documentaries. You know, they're they're fantastic. Well, I can say this about the first one. It's a fantastic documentary. Haven't seen the next one yet. It's out September 30th. Uh, it looks great, and I'm sure Peter did a really good job with it. It was great to get his perspective on things, too. Yeah, absolutely. So now, without further ado, here is Chicago on Behind the Setlist. Let it roll. So last night, I was at the, the Q&A at the Grammy Museum, which was moderated by actor Joe Montaigne. Mm-hmm. And he was introduced by producer Jimmy Jam. Yes, and it was like a competition between those two <laughs> about who was a bigger fan right. of Chicago. It's and pretty cool. It, it might be a tie. I think it is a tie, but they, they will still be debating that if, if it's a tie or not. <laughs> <laughs> but it was pretty cool listening to the stories. I mean, we obviously knew uh, Joe many years before when, you know, when we started, when our band was actually getting fired by the clubs that we were playing in because we had the audacity to play an original song rather than a top 40 song that the owner wanted us to play. So, and, and Joe's band, the, the Apocryphals, would get a call saying, you guys got to come in with your stuff because these guys, aren't, we, I, we just fired them. You know, you got to play the rest of the night for us. And they'd come in and start setting up and going, you know, how come you guys, what did you get fired for? for not playing the top 40 tunes. What? Why not? Why aren't you doing it? That's that's what we do. And, you know, whatever. We got fired. You're on. It all worked out, though. <laughs> it worked out. And that's all, what Joe said, too. Yeah. Yeah. It, was a, it was a room full of a couple hundred of L.A.'s biggest Chicago fans. I think so. Super and fans. And also voting members for the Grammys. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, there was- And ironically, it was in the uh, Clive Davis room who signed us to our first contract in, yeah, I right. think, 68. That's right. With ah, CBS. It all comes full circle. Yes. You know, one thing I noticed last night that got a, a lot of applause was your tour with Earth, Wind & Fire. Oh, my God, yeah. The fans loved that. We did many tours with them. I think we've done, like, uh, what, four tours with Earth, Wind & Fire? Yeah. And every one of them have been hits, and the audiences are up and raving by the end of the show every night because we play a half hour. After both bands play one-hour sets, we come on stage together, 22 guys, and play another half hour, uh, you know, three of their songs, three of our songs, but all of us are playing together. It's just phenomenal. Wow. What Chicago songs would you do? Uh, well, 25 or 64. Uh, I think we did Saturday in the Park. Yeah. And Free Dialogue? Uh, that, uh, yeah, I think Time, too. Because I think at the beginning of the show you would do Dialogue. We did Beginnings and Dialogue. Yeah, right, yes. right, right. Right. So, And we opened the show as well. We couldn't get people there early enough. To, we, we kept trying to convince people, come early because we actually start the show, both bands on stage. And we open up with beginnings. And then we play In the Stone. 
and uh, like I think three songs up at the top, and then Earth, Wind, and Fire plays a set, and then we play a set, and then we come on stage together. It's a lot of fun. Tell us real quick about about the movie, and I've only seen the trailer that was shown. I saw it online. I saw it at the. At well, the that theater. was the whole movie. <laughs> oh, very, very short. short. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we we had originally made another documentary a few years ago, um, and after that, it did you know it did really well on TV and was on Netflix and everything. And we were starting to think about what could we do to commemorate the eventual fifty fifth anniversary. And I would always be out on the road filming, you know, them recording an album or re- playing shows or doing a special event. Um, and thinking about what a movie could possibly be. And then, lo and behold, March 2020 comes, and the world mm. shuts down. And we learned at their last show in Las Vegas that they were, the Venetian actually told them that they were the last band playing in the world at that moment because of the lockdowns that were happening all around us. So, that kind of gave us an in the silver lining of the pandemic was that we could document the band going through that, you know, thing that everybody else in the world was going through. And we thought that was a good kind of way to tell a story about a group that, yeah. Yeah. Are you, how do you, you were already filming? Oh yeah. I mean, I, anyways, regardless of the pandemic you were filming. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been working with the band since 2010 now. And, uh, I originally was going out as their tour videographer, and over time I'd always, you know, if there was ever anything special or something that they were doing on the road, I would go out and film that event just for the archives. But it turned into, oh, we have enough footage here for a movie, and including all the stuff that they were doing during the pandemic, which was recording a brand new album. Um, And just with that background to it, it was something that was obviously ripe for a documentary because I didn't, I was thinking like how many movies are going to be out there about a, a, a band going through COVID. I don't think that there's that many because the, yeah. the obvious logistical problems in the beginning, at least, but. So this, this is called last band on stage comes out September 30th. So that's just in two weeks. Um, you can see that preview on, on the band's website. Talk a little bit about, what is that like to be together over 50 years and haven't taken time off at all, just constantly recording, writing, touring, and all of a sudden, thud, it, it all stops. How did that make you feel, Lee, as a, a working musician to be sidelined like that? Well, interestingly enough, I was already in the midst of a project for, for another company. They wanted us to, Rhino Records, Warner Rhino wanted us to do... Um, um, the show that we did in 1971, we played uh, six days and did eight shows during that time at Carnegie Hall. We were the first rock band to not only play Carnegie Hall, but sell it out for a week. And uh, we were, when, when I think back now, when I started the project, it took 10 months to finish it off. And, and you know, we finished it off during... The, at the during the pandemic, so I had plenty to do. I had we were doing like ten, twelve hour days to to uh, complete the project, and uh, the interesting thing is we didn't think that that album that we were playing that well when we played Carnegie Hall, and 
with the technology that we have today, I was able to, we were able to go in and take all of the ambient noise or as much ambient noise as we could out so that by the time we got to down to the notes, we were able to uh, enhance the notes, but, you know, with, with, uh, 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 highs and lows and, you know, mid-range, everything sure. that it might need to make the horns sound more like horns and, and all that stuff. Uh, but we were able to get down to the point where we realized we played pretty damn good. We were young kids just out there, and we counted it off and went for it. And it was just balls to the wall. And uh, I don't know if I can say that. I said, beep, okay, thanks a lot, no, Lee. No beep. <laughs> This is HBO. Come on. <laughs> but anyway, it was it was really cool to get down to it. And Tim Jessup and I, the engineer, made it sound like we were sitting in the audience listening to the band. That's that was the goal. And uh, I think it turned out really good. And in the meantime, Robert calls and says, hey, let's do a Chicago album. And, you know, so. And he's got a bunch of songs already, so he's like he's like ten steps ahead of everybody else because he's, he's been writing, and and I've also was doing uh, 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 videos, uh, and Peter was helping me out with that stuff. Putting the, everybody would record their own parts separately in their homes, and then we would he would mix it all together. We would mix the song release it on a zoom video and that's how we stayed in touch with the fans so i wasn't thinking about writing an album it, you know so when we when we did i happened to have a song called uh, if this isn't love that i wrote a long time with a now ex-wife but if this isn't love i you know it's i uh, I'd rather be wrong again. You know, this is, this has got to be it. This is, this was the best love I had ever had. And as it turns out, not nothing lasts forever. I mean, sometimes I guess, but not this time. So were, were, were any <laughs> of those new songs, yeah. they were, were, were they old songs or? No, no, no. Robert wrote a lot on? of new songs. And uh, I think I Jimmy was writing, and he had a couple older songs, and he had a couple because we hadn't recorded an album quite, you know, a few years. So what did they say? Eight years that it was since the last album. Eight years, yeah, twenty fourteen, yeah. I think. Right, and uh, so there was a stockpile of material from some guys, and uh, but you know, I'm not that much of a songwriter in the first place. You know, I do one every ten years, whether I like it or not. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Is this what became Born for This Moment? This is the album that became Born for This Moment. And being the Democratic band that we are, I lost the vote because the single that we released was um, If, this is, if this is Goodbye became a hit. It was in, it was, I think it made it up to top 15 on the AC charts. And, uh, but I thought that should be the title of the album and it should be the first song on the album. And I was outvoted, so it's born for this moment. <laughs> you know, on the album, the band sounds great. Sounds tight, fresh. It's it's like a Chicago's career in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. It seems like it has everything. All right. Very good. As it turns out, the only al the the only song that the the entire band played as we used to go into the studio and play a, a track 
was my song, If This Isn't Love. Once we started working again in 2021, uh, I brought the band in early and we recorded the song two or three times and chose the track and then went back to my studio, which I was also building during the pandemic. And uh, we recorded uh, all the overdubs there, including the brass, and then sent it to Joe Thomas and um, he mixed it. Is that a so, preferable way to do an album, or would you just rather do it the old-fashioned way? Old-fashioned way. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> With, without seeing anybody, and if you're not in the same room, you can't bounce ideas off of each other, which is what we always used to do. Mm-hmm. And the only time we got to do that was when we got the brass together and we recorded the brass. We, you know, you, This note doesn't work here. This part doesn't work like that. And we would change things as they came up on the spot. You know, so I look I look forward to being able to do that again. So your your first show back was September 2021, the Pinewood Bowl Theater in uh, Lincoln, mm-hmm. Nebraska. And I would imagine that was quite emotional for you. Uh, describe a little bit. Were, were you out of shape, so to speak, you know, like an ath- athlete sideline exactly. you know, uh, with an injury and couldn't play. Talk a little bit about what was that like to come back? That's exactly it, because when the athlete comes back, usually the game is a little faster than them at that point. And, you know, it takes, uh, you know, three, four shows, uh, and then you're, you're back <clears throat> with it again at, the at you know, like playing speed, whatever that means. And uh, But it was great to start out knowing that it was not where you want to be, but you're shooting for it. The best thing about it was that the audience was chomping at the bit to hear music, yeah. to hear entertainment of any kind, and to be able to sit and commingle with each other. I mean, it was fantastic. Great energy. Peter, you've seen the band a lot over the years. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what did you think of their, their performance when they came back? What was it like seeing them on stage again? Well, it's it's interesting because talking to – Lee and talking to everyone in the group, it's there's a certain way that they think they're coming off to the audience in terms of, oh, man, we were out of shape tonight. <laughs> I, the audience can't tell. I, I can't tell. I mean, you see little things like, oh, OK, they missed that part because they haven't played in 16 months or whatever it was. But that's been one of the things over the years that kind of I marvel at is that every single night, the show's this like in, in a good way, the show's the same for every audience um and it doesn't matter i mean i've been to europe with them across the united states canada and people react the same way to the same songs no matter where you are and it's i always like to call chicago like the biggest underground band of all time because <laughs> they started off as just this music group that loved playing music and they played clubs and then they got a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger and you can still see some of the fans that were there from the very beginning in the crowd and it's kind of how i see like oh in 40 years am i going to go be seeing this band that i discovered 10 years ago and it'll be kind of the same thing where people are just chicago's always been about the music and uh, that's why they've been able to last so long is that when they come back even after 16 months and everyone's trying to escape 
their lives for a, a few hours with what, everything that was going on, it just was really uh, heartwarming. Yeah. 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 Tell us about the, the current band. And you told a story about the guitarist joining you at the, at the Grammy Museum talk last night. Yeah, the uh, Tony Rivada. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He, um, we knew that he was going to be eventually with the band, so I had sent him a live show so he could learn the songs. So he wasn't as completely unprepared as Jimmy said it last night, because I had been in touch with with Tony and uh, he had worked on the stuff. And I usually tell him anybody that's coming in new, I tell him to learn the introduction and ballet. Those are the the hardest tunes with the most, you know, time changes and key changes within that the, those songs. So they're they're the most difficult to learn. And then they have to sing background vocals as well, with, you know, along with that. So they, once you get those two songs prepared, the other stuff is pretty easy to learn. Uh, it's just you have to you you don't know exactly where to stand on the stage. That that's the hardest part. What we didn't know is that the very day that we invited Tony to come to one of our shows just to see uh, so he would be aware of where he's going to be standing on the stage. Keith Howland fell down the stairs and broke his wrist. So he could uh. not play. This is like an hour before the show. And and Tony happened to be in the audience. And, and uh, I said, Tony, uh, do you think you could play tonight? He went, uh, well, yeah, but I don't have my gear. I said, do you think you can play on on Keith's stuff, he he said, "Yeah, I just need I just need Keith to tell me which buttons to press so I know which sound to go to," and uh, wow. so he just he knew the music well enough to uh, try to figure out what sounds to play <laughs> on the pedal board. Amazing, but it it, it came it came incredible. off without a you know I don't think anybody even noticed someone new was on the stage when all was said and done. <laughs> That's the thing is people still ask like. Where's uh, where's so and so? And it's like he left the band in 1985. <laughs> it's like it's a testament to their live performance. Like they always manage to find a way to just play the yeah. music and play it great. And people who haven't seen us for a long time, they come in and they go, "Wait a minute!" They you know you start initially seeing them going, "This is I don't know who this is." And then <laughs> after a few songs, they don't care anymore because it sounds good. They're they're just yeah. enjoying listening. Well, it's sort of like I said yesterday. It's kind of like uh, people still go see Hamilton, even though Lin Manuel Miranda is not doing Hamilton anymore. He's because not? people lo- <laughs> because people love that uh, musical. And uh, again, again, what were you saying earlier? It's like seventy songs in the top forty. Yeah, yeah, crazy. And we can play about twenty-five of them. Not that we, you know, we could play the rest of them, but as far as working in the context of a show. There's about 25 songs that really work all the time, every night. Yeah, I think it's rare that a you know a band becomes uh, bigger than its individual <laughs> members. What about that that core yeah. group of songs? Um, do you do you throw in deep cuts occasionally, or do you stick to a core group of songs that you've learned over time work best for the? We for try the both. Show? You do, and, and you know. Because we want to go back and play that stuff because it was fun to play, fun to write, fun to record. But if it doesn't work live, you end up pulling it anyway. You know, you have fun a, a few times, but if the only one having fun is the band, that's problematic. 
And <laughs> you go back to what they want to hear what put you on the map, you know, and that's what people want to hear. In fact, I feel the same way when I go to see a band. I want to hear what put them there. Yeah. You know, you're disappointed if you didn't hear this song or that song. I mean, we still get that every night that somebody says, how come you didn't do Look Away or some, you know, whatever the song might be. And you just can't do them all. You'd be there four yeah. hours. Is there, <laughs> is there, what song do you think has to get in the set every night? Is there something that you just 25 can't, si- or 6 to 4. Yeah. Does anybody really know what yeah. time it is? Beginnings, searching, um, you know. Saturday in the park. Saturday in the park. Sure, sure. Yeah. Can't get out of there without playing those songs. So I think back to, I think of the movie Spinal Tap and they do what, Mach 2 Jazz Odyssey. They, <laughs> is, is Chicago ever going to do Mach 2? And <laughs> Mach 2. Just say, you know, let's go off on this tangent. Hello, Cleveland! <laughs> right. <laughs> then you get the fan, I think of the, the movie, the, the fan sitting in the crowd putting the thumb down sign. <laughs> we're hoping You'll for, know what the fan thinks. We're hoping we of. don't get the thumbs down or the tomatoes or the, you know. But for the most part, you're, you're playing the hits. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. But Introduction was never a hit, but it works because it was the first song on the first album. And it, it uh, showcases everything that we do within that five, six minutes. Yeah. Hey, Lee, talk a little bit about the first time you saw the film, uh, Last Band on Stage, the first time you sat down and watched it. Well, I've watched it a number of times. What did that feel I've, like? I've watched it a number of times because I, I work pretty closely with Peter, and he calls sure. me to tell me where we are with it and you want to see a clip or, or whatever. And I don't see it. Uh, once he finishes all of the editing and then I sit down with it, it, you know, you really get the emotional impact of it, but it's, it's really good. Um, I usually feel, uh, self-conscious because I'm like the crybaby of the group. Something comes up emotional. I have my, you know, my emotions on my sleeve. So whatever that is, I go, man, there I go again. <laughs> and, then, and then I talked to uh, Peter Chivarelli, the manager, and I'm like, I don't want to embarrass Lee too much here. And he goes, he goes, no, 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 that's great stuff. Keep it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the camera's closing in on me, face. It's been it's it's been great to get just unlimited access to. Because the first documentary was interesting because I think people in the band and out of the band were still a little bit skeptical of just should we entrust this 26 year old at the time to make this movie about her career who wasn't even alive mm-hmm. when our 18th album came out you know like should we trust him and then now they're so comfortable around the camera even when there's literally a camera with lights set up aimed at them for an interview that it's almost like it's still the camera's not there and they're so honest in this one versus the last one where they were honest but this one it's like you're seeing their inside lives and their home lives and um yeah it's just been very very intimate versus a a kind of an explainer of a history do you think the documentary is has brought you new fans or has it reconnected you with old fans existing fans or is it both (laughs) i think probably both yeah in fact, you know, when we talked about Earthwind and Fire playing, playing with them, I think we got they got fans from playing in front of our audience and vice versa. 
So it works both ways. And the, the yeah. documentary, having that many people see it, my, I, I, I was able to reestablish contact with a couple of my kids that, you know, going through a divorce, you hear both sides of the story from the ex-wife and from, from me. And the uh, movie explained a lot of things and just the light bulbs went off in their head and they called me. It was cool. Yeah. You think you do? You think you do more documentaries after this? I I would love to do documentary. I mean, my my main goal overall is to do narrative films, but I I'll do documentaries the rest of my life. I mean, some of my heroes like Martin Scorsese, he still makes documentaries every year in between doing you know mm. great narratives. So I love the the thing I love most about it is you can you can always fix it. You can always add something. You can always go and shoot something else. Whereas like. On a bigger movie, maybe you have a set schedule where you have to shoot everything and then you don't have the money to go do an extra shoot. But, I mean, it's a lot easier to kind of mold a compelling story and structure through a documentary film. And then you have the, the suits who come and tell you that the screenplay sucks. you got to rewrite it. <laughs> yeah, why did you say this about our client? We didn't That's tell right. you you could. <laughs> yeah. The new album... Uh, one song that's been in the set list is If This Is Goodbye. But, um, yes. Well, first of all, tell us what that song is about. Well, it was What's written by Joe Thomas, the producer. He, he co-wrote it with a couple other people. So it can be about us. It can be about any band that they grew up playing with. And, uh, uh, you know, so you just sort of leave it to your imagination. Whereas, you know, when, when the, the video movement came out, I want my MTV, that started changing uh, what people, instead of using their imaginations as to what they thought that song meant to them, all of a sudden it was on a video, this is what the song means. It's like, Wait a minute, sort of, sort of gets in the way of the point here. You know, this is to have fun with and just go wherever you want to go with it. But, uh, you know, so that's where you can go with, with uh, If This Is Goodbye. It could be about us. And that's why I wanted it to be the title of the album, because it leaves people with that question. And we're actually not going anywhere. And we're going to keep playing next year. Peter, our, our manager, Peter Chivarelli, has already got it booked. And uh, on the flip side of the album would have been, uh, but we're, we're going to stick around. Any other, songs, those any other new songs uh, in your sets recently? Uh, have we added new songs? Yeah. Just uh, if this is goodbye. And if the, the next song becomes a hit, we'll put that in as well. You put too many new songs in, you get the old going to the popcorn stand in bathroom right. stuff <laughs> but you do want to play the new song don't you want to, to i would love to play the new songs but you can't get away with it it mm. you you just physically can't you you can but then the audience starts going hey i didn't come here to hear all new songs yeah you know it's, it's to a point yeah. too his to his point chicago they did a whole recreation of the second album yes four or five years ago and there were most people loved it, but there were some messages online about why are you guys playing all this new music? So it's like if it's not one <laughs> wow. of the hit, it's it's kind of crazy. So it's like they're playing something yeah. from fifty 
years ago at that point, and it's yeah. To them, it's new music. They never heard those songs, but they know all the big hits. And, and it was a lot of fun playing it, too. Yeah, it was great. Know? Because initially, we had two albums, and that's all we played was the first album and the second album. And uh, I think we were still throwing in a couple of Beatles songs back then <laughs> until, they, until we had so many hits that people went, what are you playing the Beatles for? Uh, okay, well, can't yeah. do that anymore. So now we, <laughs> yeah. we just have a little homage to the Beatles where... At the end of uh, feeling stronger every day, we we play ba 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 ba. Got to get you into my Got life. Got to get you into my life and uh, uh, magical mystery tour. We start out with ba 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 ba, and that's the end. So we <laughs> put in two Beatles songs at the end of feeling stronger. Nice. Yep. You know, before we hit record, Lee, you were telling me about uh, wishing you were here, and and I would love for the audience to hear that because I, I love that song, and I noticed that you know when we looked and did the research of what songs you were playing live, that one had been played once, and I think it was in <laughs> Phoenix. Right. Tell tell the audience a little bit about that. That was really funny. Well, when we were setting up the the tour, uh, we were hoping to be able to play uh, one or two songs with Brian and and then us the horn section at least come out and play one or two songs with them and uh, we decided on Darlin uh, so the brass would come out and play uh, a Darlin with them I think it was like three quarters of the way through their set and we decided that uh, uh, Wishing You Were Here would be early on in our set and we'd have Brian come out and sing along with us and maybe a couple of the sure. other guys. Well, as it turned out, the first night we did it, which you're saying was Phoenix, right? Yeah. Uh, everyone came out on stage except Brian. And he went, wait a minute. We, what, how come Brian didn't come out? We thought, you know, he may have not been feeling well that night or whatever. And then we found out that he never intended to come out and sing. He was going to have the band come out and sing with us. It sort of defeats the purpose of that as well. We wanted Brian Wilson on the stage to sing. And not that those guys were bad. They're great players and singers. But uh, uh, we wanted Brian. And when that didn't happen, we went, well, let's not do the song then. <laughs> because it's, it doesn't work as well. And and uh, uh, we, we kept playing... Uh, Darlin for still about 10, 15 more shows. And then we stopped doing that because we found that we were getting there so early that it it was like three hours before we played. By the time we played, we were ready to go to bed, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's the story. I don't know how entertaining it is. <laughs> you know, your sets, uh, you know, span the band's history really early some newer songs like you said mm -hmm. and then a lot of the 80s stuff that i'm sure there's some fans who that's chicago to them right that's the beginning of to chicago them, that's the beginning. so they were shocked with when their parents came out with another stack of albums that was us <laughs> as well i'm like oh my god they had this many albums before kidding right yeah but you do the you do the 80s songs uh, we do well. 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, yep. whatever you want. Pick a year. Pick a decade. 
<laughs> what are your thoughts back to to you know your eighties and it was it was a bit of a revival for the band and, and working with David Foster. Um, David had an idea of what he wanted the band to sound like, and he went about um, building that. And he even admits on the on the the first <laughs> uh, documentary that he went a little too far in softening us down a touch. And uh, but those songs are great. I mean, they still hold up every night. And as you said, people were born and grew up with those songs, thinking that that was the beginning of the band and, and uh, we're, we're shocked that they, that we had so many albums before they thought 17 was our first album. <laughs> when you were touring in the, in the mid eighties, how much of the show was brand new stuff for these, this new group of audience versus in the eighties versus older. Well, the way we looked at it, we just played the stuff that was uh, current and a bunch of the songs from uh, the foster era i guess we've we've had a couple different eras mm-hmm. uh they were very very successful we incorporated incorporated them into our live performances and they worked every night you know and uh something works you don't cut it mm. it's like you know a comedy yeah. act if <laughs> don't cut funny is there a song that maybe doesn't work you know on stage it maybe works really well on an album but then you play play it live and maybe it doesn't work within the set yes um and you don't know what talk it, about that a you don't bit. know what it's going to be until you actually start performing it because it sounds fine on the record you know you you put it together uh you build it uh, uh it, it works in the context of the record just just fine but when you put it in the in the context of a live performance i don't know what the reasoning is but it just doesn't perform as well and um uh, you make the decision on the fly, pretty much. You, you know, like you know, like I keep saying, you go for the popcorn or the bathroom. It's, it's not working. <laughs> That's not working. You know, or they look yeah. at each other and go, "What are they playing?" This? You know, what is this? Is this a new song or something? You know, <laughs> if they start having to question it, it's the wrong song. You know, Chicago's done so many albums. Um, you know, for a long time, maybe Chicago was a studio band that always toured. Are you a, a touring band now that records every few years? No, I think we've years, always or? been a touring band. Always a touring band? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Since the time we, you know, we came up in the clubs. Like I was saying, uh, you know, Bruno Mars came up in the clubs. Yeah. But I didn't know that when he first started recording. I thought he might be, you know, making songs like so many people are right now, right out of their bedrooms. You know, <laughs> they, they, they. Push the button, sing a line, and then, you know, build a song right there before they have breakfast, you know. And uh, But us, we always got together, played for the club owner, and we had to play top 40 songs, so we we learned a lot of music. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were mainly an R&B band back then when we started. And uh, we have grown into what it is now. And you were doing an album a year. Often, yeah, right? we were. Yeah, it was amazing. Which for the time was was a little more typical. Yes. Yeah. And do you we think you could do albums. one every two years at this point? Uh, well, it was eight goal? years since we did the last album. Yeah. From uh, thirty eight to thirty. You took a big break, and then yeah, and uh, new album came out this year. Yeah. And then and we you got anything in the works? It, it, 
nothing is, right now. We just finished this one, so you know we're trying to promote yeah. this one first yeah. and see if uh, anything else, you know, positive happens with it, which we hope will, and uh, and we go from there. You know, we're, but yeah, we're thinking I think the documentary will help. Yes, I do too, and I think we're we're as per usual thinking forward. What's going to happen next? And in the meantime, we play the next show. We're going out to Indio yeah. tonight, and we play to play another show uh, tomorrow night, I believe. So this time of year, you're doing outdoor theaters, indoor, outdoor. Both, yeah. yeah, summer is usually outdoors. You know, and so you never know what kind of weather you're going <laughs> to walk in on, and you know how that's going to affect. Well, in the California, right now, you, you're guaranteed you're not going to get rain. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. You might swallow a bug or two. Oh yeah. <laughs> Those are tough to deal with. No, I I just want to thank uh, you know both Peter and Lee for taking time out of their busy day to talk with us. It's such a, a you know embarrassment of riches. So much beautiful uh, music over the years. Thank you so much, and I, I can't wait to see the full. You know, it's not that just that two minute preview. There's actually a right. full film. And <laughs> there I can't is, wait to see is. that. Looking forward to seeing it. Thanks for September coming 30th. in. To talk to us Thanks. in the studio. Thanks for having us on the show. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.